Do you notice any little lines around my eyes? You're gonna have to come in close to see. You mean those crow's feet? <laughs> They're not crow's feet. They're laugh lines. Honey, nothing's that funny. <laughs> I know something that'll make you feel a lot better. I don't feel like playing hop on pop. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Merry with Children podcast. I'm Tyler, and hey, Stephen, what's your limit? Oh, six or seven times. Oh, Ooh. you mean the credit card? Yeah, the Ooh. credit card. Ooh, dang. There's no li- yeah, there's no <laughs> limit on it anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. No limit. Could you imagine? A credit card with no limit? That's I can only imagine that, yes. That's why they don't do that anymore. <laughs> no. I'm Steven, and I'm ready to review this. What's that? I think your snicker slipped. Yeah, it must have. It must have. <laughs> yeah, sorry, folks. I, I got to tell you, I finally got COVID. I'm on the downside of it, but I'm almost out. And I've been quarantined, so I said to Tyler, hey, let's do a podcast. That'll cheer me up from all this isolation. I know, and here I am like oh, what like 2000 miles away and just hoping that covid doesn't like slide into the internet and into my mic yeah well I mean, you might get a computer virus <laughs> but i'm ching yeah no oh yeah now uh, folks out there if you're wondering why we sound so scripted and everything it's because this is an honor of a very scripted and formulaic episode. Uh, me and Stephen were just talking off air, right, Stephen, about this? Yes. Like how specifically Steve, we were talking about how there really doesn't seem to be, a, uh, you know, a really in-between episode of season 11, how they're, they're either winners or they're just kind of losers. And this seems to be like a middle of the way one. Well, we are reviewing Birthday Boy Toy, uh, Season 11, Episode 19, and the title most likely comes from Madonna. Uh, So Madonna performed Like a Virgin at the first MTV Music Video Awards in 1984, where she appeared on stage atop a giant wedding cake, dressed in a wedding dress, adorned with her boy toy, I'm doing the finger quotes here, boy toy, belt buckle and veil the climax of her risque performance found her humping and rolling around on the stage it is considered by critics and academics as one of the most important and most unforgettable video music awards performance ever yes this episode was written by terry maloney and mindy morganston directed by jerry cohen and it originally aired on march 31st 1997 it includes the guest stars, Harold Sylvester as Griff, 
Kevin's beer toss as aerobics instructor. And as various groupies, Stephanie, Stephanie Sprill, Susan Isaacs, Sonia Eddy, Michelle Mitchell, and Corrine Riley. Who? <laughs> I besides our uh, our very happily wonderful guest Harold Silvestri, I don't recognize any of these guest stars, but a uh, first glance. But did you did you recognize any of these names before no. we did some research? None of them. Uh, I'm not too sure. I think Sonia Eddy is uh, one of those return guests, but I forgot to check that out. All right, so uh, the episode begins with a cold open of Kelly running down the stairs. Okay, somebody broke into my piggy bank again. The long strand of red hair. <laughs> and these bonbon wrappers clearly indicate that you, mother, saw who did it. <laughs> now, who was it? Oh, uh, gee, honey, I, I really don't know. Hey, look at this lovely Don Knotts hologram I got from QVC. Don't try to distract me, Mom. It's shiny. <laughs> Mr. Furley, Barney Fife. <laughs> Furley, Fife. Did you see I, I wasn't sure, I couldn't believe it, but a piggy bank. Uh, someone broke right into it again, and there seems to be a strand of red hair. Now, lots of people have red hair. I cannot help but think how she found a red hair, someone's broken into her piggy bank. This sounds like what happened to Al back in Oh, What a Feeling. How do you intend to pay? Well... How does a $5,000 deposit sound? But peel them off five big ones. <laughs> well, I'd love to, Dad, but all you got is 800. Is that all? Well, that and a red hair. <laughs> it's, it's just, I mean, I think the family just knows when money goes missing, there's pretty much going to be one suspect yes <laughs> it will always be peggy yes and but you know what i can forgive a momentary lapse of judgment if you need to steal at least it's for something good right steven it's for bread for your family money for a sick child or a lovely don Knotts hologram that she got <laughs> from qvc <laughs> Oh, boy. You know, that's one thing I think how Mary with Children did adapt well was the use of QVC as a, as a fodder. I mean, if it was around today, it would be Amazon Prime, obviously. But at that time, it was just QVC. But they did it well. Oh, mm, boy. Yes. I'm just thinking of, like, when the reboot happens, like, what could, like, how can we translate these archaic uh, late 80s early 90s kind of uh tropes into modern day and i'm just thinking of peggy like what's this an email 50 <gasps> percent of men's landscapers ooh, or something like that just like oh I, I i get so many of those and they even get me sometimes i don't buy stuff but i get very close to just adding it to my cart 
to just see what it would how much it would cost so it's scary you get really close to that sometimes <laughs> yeah and i want to bring it up because she has that little um picture of don Knotts, and kelly is going mr furley barney five mr furley barney five i say this calls for action and now nip it in the bud men have certain needs <laughs> So do women. They do? First sign of youngsters going wrong, you got to nip it in the bud. Nip it. Of course they do, Mr. Furley. Women are every bit as warm and passionate as men. They are? You go read any book you want on the subject of child discipline, and you'll find that every one of them is in favor of bud nipping. Yes. Then why do they always act like they're doing me a favor? These are kind of like these strange, uh, it's kind of like you take it and you swivel it back and forth in the light and the image changes. Yeah, they're... I remember uh, those. Yeah, we call them like, uh, they have a name, but I'm just going to go with what we called them on the playground, um, holographic changers. And because, like, it's not... It's not holographic. So basically, ki uh, kids out there or anybody younger than me and Steven probably don't know what we're talking about. It's got an image, and then there's another image underneath it that's like laid sideways. So when you turn it, it looks like it's shifting. And it's, uh, it's a really cool thing. Like, I remember being captivated. I think kids still now would be captivated. And I just, but I love the fact that Peggy just goes, it's shiny and like a raccoon kelly is just distracted <laughs> oh boy and it was a don knotts and you got to talk about don knotts he's a great guy he was born july 21st 1924 and he died on february 24 2006. he was a great actor and comedian best known for his role as deputy sheriff barney fife on the andrew griffith show of course we should all know it's a 1960s sitcom where he earned five Emmy Awards for his role as for his role as Barney Five. And also he was well known for being Ralph Furley on the highly rated sitcom Three's Company from 1979 to 1984. Now originally, uh, I think it was Norman Fell who played Mr. Roper, and Audrey Lindley was Mrs. Roper, the original um, landlords for Jack, Janet, and Chrissy. But then Don Knotts came in and created his own character. And I want to credit him and the writers for coming up with a new character, not just another Mr. Roper type character. He did it great. And what was great, I thought how he interpreted the character is that he thought himself as a ladies' man, that he was really stylish. And he was a fashion nightmare like Herb Carlick in WKRP. And Again, clueless about women. I thought he did a great role. And I heard a great story about this. Apparently, John Ritter's favorite comedian and comedic actor of all time was Don Knotts. And when he found out that Don Knotts was going to be the new landlord, he was jumping for joy because he was going to get to work with his idol. Isn't that cool? That is awesome. Yeah, yeah I've I've never watched a second of the Andy Griffith show with the exception of like parodies and maybe like clips on YouTube. I know mm -hmm. the theme song, um, but I, and I'm aware of him as 
Barney Fife. But I am a fan retroactively of Three's Company. It's on uh, Pl- uh, Pluto TV, so you can I can pretty much watch it at all. And boy, boy, I love him as Mr. Furley. He's one of the best parts of it. Yes. Now, he also did a lot of um, movies, too. The Reluctant Astronaut, The Ghost of Micker Chicken, and a lot of different things. He co-starred with, uh, he returned to co-star with Andy Griffith in an episode of Matlock. Oh, man. And TV Guide ranked him as number 27 on 50 greatest TV stars of all time. Yeah, I would I would clarify. I would like connect him to a modern day Steve Buscemi. Like both not super conventionally attractive gentlemen who just have a very specific way of speaking and looking. And you just love when they pop up and stuff. Yeah, maybe that's might be a good analogy there. But you know where I first discovered Don Knotts was Scooby Doo, <laughs> where he literally played. Uh, I don't. They didn't call. They did not call him Barney Fife. I think he was Barney Knife or Knight. Barney uh, Arnie Knight. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Arnie Knight was. I think was his character, and he was just a. Uh, a local deputy who's just trying to help these cute kids out. That was more of Bill Clinton, but I can't do Don Knotts. But yeah, he was on there, and I literally remember asking him, I was like, Mom, who is that? Because I learned at that point, I was like 14, that Scooby-Doo had a like a very specific-looking person. It was usually like a reference, and she looked up and goes, Oh, that's Don Knotts! Or because he was in a, a police uniform, she goes, Oh, it's Mr. F- it's Barney Fife. And I was like, who's that? And then she turned me on to, uh, you know, who he was. So thank you, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And then Al came in. I hope one of these bills is for a coffin because your shopping is killing me. <laughs> Something shiny. I got you one, Al. I'm not interested in that thing. Ginger. Marianne. Ginger. Oh, cut this out. Not only is this QVC thing useless, but now you've gone and bought a membership to the Buff and Tough Health Club. Well, how else am I supposed to stay young and attractive for you? Buy a time machine. Pig, I'm cutting off your shopping cold turkey right now. <laughs> Traitor. Oh, Al, don't make me stop shopping. You'll destroy my life. Good, then we'll be even. He's upset with Peg for, you know, buying stuff and buying stuff. So she gives him another one. And it's Marianne Ginger. Marianne Ginger. He's taking the picture and swiveling it back and forth. And he's just in rapture. I mean, who wouldn't be? Those are two hot babes, especially Marianne. No offense to Tina Rogers or Tina Louise, who is still out there. Absolutely. And boy, I I kind of groaned a little bit because if there's like a three-step, like uh 
a high, a low, and a high again with Al's entrance. First, I love the audience going completely out of their mind for him. It seems to get more intense every episode. And then he just says the shopping line, which is literally, um, your, uh, it says, Peg, I hope one of these bills is a coffin because your shopping is killing me. And I'm like, oh, really? I don't know. It's kind of lame. But then when she hands him the same reflector card, he kind of goes, Ginger, Marianne, Ginger, Mar now cut this out. That, like, it's hitting, and then it kind of goes back to normal, and then it hits again. So it's kind of, they're, like, it's just the first of many times this this episode, like, walks a tightrope of we're doing just the old stuff, and then we're going to, like, punch it up with something more inten intense. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, and Al is... You know, catching on too, it's like I'm not gonna let her distract me because he then goes back to the issue. Mm -hmm, and yes, he does. And he's also upset that she bought a health club membership and she wants to stay attracted to for him. And he said, Get a time machine. Yeah. And and I'm cutting off your shopping cold turkey. And at that point, she says, Oh, Al, don't make me stop shopping. You'll destroy my life. And then Al has that great comeback. Good. Then we'll be even. Oh, that was good. That was yeah. so slick. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yep. So, yeah, Al cuts off her shopping by hand making her hand over her credit card. What the heck is Peggy doing with a credit card? Like, what the? <laughs> I mean, I, under I understand Lucky having a credit card because if, uh, you know. <laughs> but got one. Yeah, but got one. So why not <laughs> Lucky? <laughs> Oh boy. And then we go to the shoe store. And Alan Griff, as usual, are not working. <laughs> They're making a shoebox fort. <laughs> you know what? Okay. Maybe as a 17 year old, I would have laughed. I would have thought this was just silly. But I just worked a country fair uh, in my area. And uh, folks out there, if you if I've never mentioned it, I operate a food truck, and I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was so bored at one point that I literally stacked the pepperonis into towers to make them easier to like pick up and place. And when I finished, because we were like bored one day because there was nobody there, but we had to be open due to our contract. And I'm here, I am getting paid stacking pepperonis and then finally at one point i was like and now for the sausage which i can't do but it i can believe this this seems real <laughs> we're gonna build a house out of shoe boxes <laughs> yeah. and and usually yeah stuff out of that's done for boring but they justify it they're trying to solve the homeless dwarf problem oh man <laughs> uh it's you know that's kind of borderline it's of justifying it and i don't think it worked that well as a joke i thought it was okay uh it, mm, if they didn't do what they did at the end of this episode i would agree with you but i i feel like i feel like that extra bit of surrealism at the end kind of justifies it i still don't like it but it just seems like these two idiots bored out of their mind at work just talking wise with each other. And then they bring it back to the weird world of Mary with children at the end. Hmm. But then 
now we get to the plot when Jefferson comes in. This is a Jefferson-centric episode, which is something I kind of liked about it. We don't have many of those. A like, secret. Was, uh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Like I, I, I meant to say this, but yeah, it's a secret Jefferson episode because it caught me off guard a little bit because I thought this was going to be about. I don't know. You think it would have started with Jefferson, like in her house? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I like this one even better than that clog cabin we built last week. <laughs> it is stunning. You know, I think we ought to go into business. Yeah, what business would that be, Griff? The shoebox lid house building business? <laughs> Not much demand for that. Well, I beg to differ. I think you're overlooking the homeless dwarf problem. <laughs> now, somebody's got to clean that up. Hey, guys. Hey. Jefferson, I see you're having your typically hard day at the office. <laughs> you know, looking this good is a full-time job. You think these pores just exfoliate themselves? <laughs> Better watch out, Jefferson. Now that you're heading for the big 4-0, Marcy might trade you in for a new model. <laughs> yeah, when you hit 40, everything starts to go to hell. Your alignment gets all out of whack, then your tires start to get a little bald, and then... <laughs> Comes that horrible day when you realize no matter how hard you turn that knob, that antenna is only coming halfway up. Then <laughs> you start getting that uncontrollable backfiring. <laughs> well, tell, me, tell me you don't have that problem. Well, it may hold true for you old clunkers, but I look the same today as I did 20 years ago. Jefferson swaggers in, making fun of the working uh, of the working man. Um, I love his line where he's he's like, um, "Oh yeah, yeah." I love Al's line where he goes, "Well, Jefferson, I see you're having your typical hard day at the office," and he's just, I, I just love them making fun of him as a boy toy. He is a boy uh, toy. Oh yes, he is, and he knows it, <laughs> and he's worried about it too. Because now he's about to hit the big, can you believe this, Stephen? I couldn't imagine the big 4-0 to be that old and just over the hill and just becoming less of a human being. I'm sorry, Stephen. How old are you again? 55. <laughs> I was about to say, I miss being 40. <laughs> and I can't I like my 40s. imagine it. <laughs> when you hit your 50s, that's when shit starts to fall apart. <laughs> You know what's weird? Um, I have a coworker who's obsessed with the show Friends, like obsessed to the point where she did a podcast about Friends that would rival Married with Children and the way we talk about it. And she made she reminded me of the episode where Rachel turns thirty, and they have this on running joke of all these guys crying into their cake and literally talking like they were gonna die. And as someone who just turned thirty two years ago. I still feel kind of young. So in yeah. a way, Stephen, the 50s is the new 30s and the 30s is the new teens. So in a way, I'm still a teenager. <laughs> I would say so. Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm not. You read me on my way on my um, age. I'm going to do the same to you. <laughs> you know, frankly, and Tyler, the older you get, you're going to realize 
that uh, the, the motto has changed. It used to be don't trust anyone over 30. Now that I'm 55, I don't trust anyone under 30. God, I can't believe that old hippie say, yeah, don't trust or yeah, just the counterculture. Don't trust anybody over the age of 30. And I'm like, uh, most people I know in their 30s are still living with their parents. Like, it's just... yeah, it's a generational thing there. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, but, but one thing that does still happen, that's all a mindset. But one thing that does happen around your 4-0 and hell, even your 3-0 now these days, yeah, your body starts to starts to lose it. And Jefferson's worried that now that he's being the big 4-0, Marcy might have to trade in for a newer sure. model. Yeah, he's worried about that. You know, strangely, he was 38 when this was filmed. Oh, he looks and, so good. Yeah, he does. And uh, and and Amanda Beers it was 38 too. So they're the same age in real life. That's still pretty young, but you know, so you know, a lot of women feel that way too. They think if they turn old, that their husband's going to dump them for something younger. Hmm. I think the episode made a little. I think this episode failed on one little issue. They really, the script really goes into Jefferson's fear of aging. And he'll even say like, sure, my, like later on, he'll say something about his thighs jiggly when he gets in the tanning booth. (laughs) And I'm looking, but I'm looking at Jefferson and I'm like, bro, you're a hunk. Like you look great. Like, I don't know. Maybe it would have been funnier if they had him, uh, stuffing food in his face and well they kind of do with peggy later on but i feel like they should have had him be more oh my back or can't do this and can't do that and then later it it'll turn that no he's still desirable but eh, potato potato i i, I like this concept and I'll, I'll i'll go with it i just wanted to point that out so well it's it's a very common thing. A lot of people who are very beautiful and good looking, you know, they, they worry about their looks all the time. Not every, all, not all people are like that, but quite a few are. And, you know, it kind of irritates the hell out of me. Like I got some friends of mine who say, Oh man, I'm getting fat and they look fit as a fiddle. Me and I'm carrying around this extra weight and I'm trying to think to myself, you are not heavy. I am heavy. Not you guys. Yeah, I have a I, friend of mine who literally said he is two cans away from a six pack and he hates that, that he's not there yet. And I'm like, bro, all I got's a keg. Yeah, <laughs> I got a big keg. Uh, you know, I talk about bicycling a lot, but it's been a long progress of getting the weight down. And I know. And it, it's, it, an it takes, exp- it, it's not an overnight, not overnight. It's taking me some time to get here to where I am now. And I'm still a little too heavy. And it's expensive, too. I mean, all the bicycles you've, like, bent in half when you sat on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or blowout tires. <laughs> but <laughs> let's get off of my weight and back onto the episode. <laughs> yes, back onto Jefferson's weight. So, yeah, yeah um, this this is some of the best, uh, like, dialogue of the show is Al, Griff, and Jefferson or Jefferson specifically watching Alan Griff talk about them getting older because they have such, I love this cavalier way that two men at the same age are in the presence of someone younger and they start talking like, like, Oh man, like you remember how it feels, right? Yeah. Like uh, Al's got some great ones. Where he's like, 
you get a little bald and then there comes that horrible day you realize that no matter how hard you turn that knob that antenna is only coming halfway up <laughs> but then griff goes then you start getting out that uncontrollable backfiring <laughs> i crossed my legs together it was like huh <laughs> Oh boy. Um, but yeah, like, so they have Alan Griff talking in a cavalier way about aging. And, but then you have Jefferson just getting terrified, but he's going to hold his own. He is, it's all, cause you know what guys, age is just a number. It's all about how you feel, right? Steven, it's all about how you feel. Except when a girl comes in and mistakes you for her dad. I've been looking for you forever. <laughs> and I hope I was worth the wait. <laughs> Oh, sorry, sir. I thought you were my dad. And he is old enough to be a dad. We uh, have father of, say, an 18-year-old. I mean, we're all old enough to be dads. Yeah. Like, I'm old enough to be your dad, really. I know. Ooh, crap. <laughs> I don't want to be from Oklahoma. No. <laughs> well, trust me, neither do I sometimes. <laughs> uh, but, I'll talk but, about that later off the air. <laughs> Okay, yes, I'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> okay. But anyway, we've got uh, uh we have to like leave Jefferson for a little while because in walks the, the B plot. Hey. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mr. Darcy. Happy birthday. Uh, sure, rub it in, you brats. <laughs> Old man Darcy's getting pretty cranky, huh? Ed, guess what? Gary hired us to shoot a commercial for the store. Mm -hmm. Well, why would she hire you two? Well, because she wanted somebody fast and cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Which explains our actress. I, on the other hand, will be directing. It'll be 30 seconds of pure magic. Oh, now, bud, don't waste your best pickup lines on Dad. <laughs> we got the setting, we got the customer, now, all we need is a uh, shoe salesman. Well, how much does it pay? $400 a day. Earth days? <laughs> hey, I'm your man for the job. Nobody sells shoes better than me. Bud is directing a commercial uh, for Gary from Gary's Shoes itself. I think this was a callback to uh, the episode I reviewed with Annabelle and Matt recently. Uh, Bert, uh, not birthday boy toy. That's what we're reviewing now. That was Bud on the side because they had yes. that sort of there. And I don't know if you've seen that particular episode recently. Uh, I and did. And that's why this I thought I was having some nostalgia for some weird reason. And I was like, hmm, why is this reminding me about something? Thank you, Stephen. Because Bud's. I mean, he rejected her in the end. And it's like she's trying to keep keep him close enough to where he might come back to her who knows and, you know what i can I, believe it like and i want to say too kelly looks beautiful and i love that coat she's wearing that jacket Makes oh yeah like a real woman yeah that, that's why i think this um these scenes were filmed out of order because this b-plot is very well constructed like i love the uh 
I, I love the outfits that Bud is going to be wearing when he's filming. I love uh, Kelly's uh, drive, like the whole setup. It almost feels like they're shooting a real commercial in a weird way. Like it's not even jokey. This is well done. Um, but basically, they're filming a commercial at Gary's Shoes, and all, and they have the location, they have the play, they have the time, they have the director. All they need is a shoe salesman. Well, not really. All you need is an actor, but whatever. Just <laughs> uh, and oh, dude, it. <laughs> Rip, it, it uh, what I, what amazes me is Al bragging. I'm the great, great shoe salesman. Well, if that's the case, then why are sales down 500 percent, as Gary quoted in "But on the Side." Why were you guys building a house of shoe boxes earlier if you're the best shoe salesman? Um, but no, like they mislead me because here I'm thinking, oh crap. In a way they do, where like this is all gonna be a contest about who is gonna be in the in the track. I didn't even think we were gonna personally see the commercial, Steven. I thought this whole thing was gonna be like a contest to see who Bud was gonna choose. Because he's got two options. He's got his father, and he's got Griff, a seasoned actor. Uh, but did I ever mention to you that I played Dorothy in my high school production of The Wiz? All male school? No. <laughs> you want to see great acting? How about those seizures I used to throw at IHOP? Dad, so you scammed us a few Rudy Tootie fresh and fruity breakfasts. Doesn't exactly make you Oscar material. Hey! You didn't seem to mind my performance when you were shoving pancakes in your pockets. I'm really good. Hoover High School Gazette says my Dorothy was captivating, charming, and strangely intimidating. Yeah, Griff, how pathetic are you? A man your age hanging on to faded high school glory. Frankly, I don't buy either one of you as a shoe salesman, but if you guys want to try out for the part... Well, listen, Mr. Director, I think that you and I should see eye to eye on this thing. <laughs> I think we found our star. Playing Dorothy in his high school's production of The Wiz. In an all-male all school? Nope. Nope. Which... I literally thought the words all male school a millisecond before Bud did. Because I was like, oh, he went to it. Griff's going to say, well, I went to an all male school. And nope, they undercut me again. It's. <laughs> now, initially, this was a um, Wizard of Oz reference, and we've had him in the past. We started out with Twisted, a lot of Wizard of Oz in there. And I don't know if you remember this, but in Dud Bowl 2, I think that was episode 910, Bradshaw, Terry Bradshaw, they're going to rename the Al Bundy Field to Terry Bradshaw Field because he went to Pokai for a few months. Yeah. And he never he played football, but he was Glenda, the Good Witch of the North, and the Wizard of Oz at Pokai. Griff mentioned the Wiz. You want to tell us about that? Absolutely. I absolutely will, because, folks, it is not the Wizard of Oz, which is what I thought <laughs> when he said the Wiz before I saw uh, the research for this uh, episode. 
I thought it was the Wizard of Oz, and Griff was just nicknaming it the Wiz. No. Apparently, The Wiz is a 1978 American musical adventure fantasy film produced by Universal Pictures and Motown Productions and released by Universal Pictures on October 24th, 1978. A reimagining of L. Frank Baum's classic 19 children's novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Featuring an all-black cast, the film was loosely adapted from 1974 Broadway musical of the same name. It follows the adventure of Dorothy, a shy 24-year-old Harlem school teacher who finds herself magically transported to the urban fantasy land of Oz, which resembles a dream version of New York City. Befriended by a scarecrow, a tin man, and a cowardly lion, she travels through the city to seek an audience in the mysterious Wiz, who they say is the only one powerful enough to send her home. It was produced by Rob Cohen and directed by Sidney Lumet, and the film stars Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. Nipsey Russell, Ted Ross, Mabel King, and a bunch of other amazing actors, including Richard Pryor. Lena Horne, too. Oh, yeah. Its uh, story was reworked from... The film was reworked by William F. Brown's Broadway libretto by Joel Schumacher and Quincy Jones. Supervised the adaption of Charlie Smalls and Luther O'Val... Uh, Vandro's songs for it. A handful of new songs written by Jones and the songwriting team of Nicholas Ashford and Valerie Simpson were added to it. Holy crap. I know what I'm watching after we finish recording. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. You know, this, you know, I mentioned all those episodes that reference yeah. Wiz, and we get all of them so far. Yeah, it is. It's just, I it's weird, never it? knew that this existed. And what an awesome idea. I think The Wizard of Oz is like the best thing to ever have been parodied. Because you know what? You can parody it in almost every situation with any type of cast. We could have a Married with Children's like Wizard of Oz easily with Al playing the Scarecrow and uh, Bud playing the Tin Man and stuff like that. It's so easy to do this. I think the Golden Girls even did this at one point. Like, <laughs> I'm doing a rewatch of uh, Scrubs. I'm in the middle of about in the season two, and I think I can't remember if it's season five or six, but they do a spectacular homage. It's not a parody; it's an homage to The Wizard of Oz, and it was brilliant, so brilliant. It was truly one of the best works of television art you would ever see. I mean, it has such a deep influence in Americana. Yeah, you, Stephen, and I talked about that in Twisted. It's a very amazing thing, and I do. And The Wizard of Oz itself, still a great movie. I've rewatched it myself fairly recently. It's a great story. And hey, guys, it's available for you to watch right now on HBO Max. Not an advertisement for the podcast, but could be. Contest, contact us, HBO. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, I, I suddenly remembered, uh, I think it was Rolling Stone. They did an article on Seinfeld when it was really high in popularity in the mid-late 90s. And the picture was of uh, Elaine dressed as Dorothy. Uh, Jerry was the Tin Man because he needs a heart. And uh, I think George was the Cowardly Lion because he needed courage which left uh, Kramer as the scarecrow who needed a break. Perfect. And I thought, 
it, it was a yeah awesome picture i thought it was perfect see what i mean my favorite version is futurama they do a what if scenario and in 11 minutes oh eight minutes actually they do an entire wizard of oz thing where leela bangs her head and wakes up as dorothy fries the scarecrow and one of my funniest lines ever he goes you can come with me to the wizard and maybe he can give you a brain no no i don't need a brain that was really mean. Why does everybody keep saying that? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> oh, it's it's great, and that's great because it ends with her wanting to be a witch and be all powerful and not go back to the dirt farm with her teetotaling aunt and uncle. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yes, uh, enough but, of us gushing about the Wizard of Oz. Uh, you know what? Because I've gushed over it yeah. enough. But... And you know what? <laughs> Griff can do that all he wants. I mean, being the Wiz, what I mean, Dorothy and the Wiz, whatever. Could did he ever, ever get his family free, Rudy Tooty Fruities? Probably not. Nope. But Al thinks he's a great actor because he faked all those seizures at IHOP. <laughs> oh man, I love the line. Um, you didn't seem to mind my performance when you were shoving pancakes into your pockets. Because <laughs> I could I could mm -hmm. literally see I've seen the Bundys do stuff with meals, and you can literally imagine Kelly and Bud shoving pancakes into their pockets and into like Kelly's purse and stuff, right? Like it's perfect. Yeah. Um, but my my theory that this episode was not even going to have us see the commercial, that it was going to be a contest, was ended because, of course, Al wins because he is the only one legally allowed to beat his son. <laughs> yeah, we'll get back to how that works out, though, because, oh, well, you know, the kids make a point, or they're not kids anymore, but Kelly and Bud do make a point to, to wish... Uh, Mr. Darcy, happy birthday. Oh, sure. Rub it in, you brats. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, old man Darcy's getting pretty cranky. And, oh, I love that. <laughs> gee, yeah. Old man Darcy's only 38. It, it's kind of weird how when you're a kid, you look up to someone who's like 38 or 40 and you think they're old. Oh, my gosh. Uh, did yeah. you see my Facebook uh, post that I posted recently? I it was a It was a shared story of the dads from the Rugrats a shirtless in a pool and uh going uh when you were a kid you thought they were adults now it's now it's just you <laughs> yeah that's true anyhow we go we zoom off to the actual a plot oh well, before we zoom off to the a plot let me just say just in case anybody is listening to this and hasn't seen it you need to see the episode just for how al does a almost Homer Simpson-like form of child abuse. I know Bud's not technically a child, but he just grabs Bud's ears and twists them. He goes, ah, I think I found we found our actor. <laughs> yeah. I was just, eh, and we nipped that problem in the butt. Nip it in the bud. <laughs> so Al is going, we're going to leave the, the shoe store with the knowledge that Al's going to be doing the commercial. They go to the Darcy's house. <laughs> so, 
What do you want for your birthday? My little boy toy. Is that all I am to you, a boy toy? Jefferson, it's just a expression, like freeloader or trophy husband. Uh, honey, do you notice any little lines around my eyes? You're gonna have to come in close to see. You mean those crow's feet? <laughs> They're not crow's feet. They're laugh lines. Honey, nothing's that funny. <laughs> oh, don't pout. I know something that'll make you feel a lot better. I don't feel like playing hop on pop. And we find Jefferson applying a... Is it... What do you call those? Is it just a facial mask? I Facial mold, I think. I don't know. One of our amazing, know. one of our amazing female listeners is screaming into her headphones right now what it's called. Probably. But yes, yeah. the green stuff that people put on, that ugly people put on their face and then and put cucumber slices over their eyes. But no, he's, and I'm, we're laughing, but it's only funny because it's Jefferson doing this, but he legitimately looks worried and concerned. And I, my heart actually goes out to him a teeny bit. He is feeling incredibly insecure and generally worried because he does not like to work he is the male version of peggy we've said it before and and we're gonna see that here in this episode oh oh yeah they're gonna visualize it perfectly for us but he is a boy toy and the only reason that he believes that marcy wants him is because he's youthful and attractive and a trophy husband and well she does call him that because she saunters in and calls him like how's my oh wait a minute yeah. Remember she uh No, I she literally walks in while he's putting stuff and looking in the mirror at, at his eyes and like puts her arms around him and goes, um uh so what do you want for your birthday, my little boy toy? Yeah. So Marcy comes in and just in an act of, you know, sexiness goes, and so what do you want for your birthday, my little boy toy? Where we get the name of our uh of our title <laughs> it's yeah um and then jefferson it shows his insecurity by going i'm not a boy am i that all i am to you and to her it goes yeah it's just an expression like freeloader or trophy husband <laughs> yeah but yeah oh, but yeah boy. he's worried about you know line little lines around his eyes um and stuff like that and the one moment I want to bring out is when Jefferson and Marcy lay on the bed together and the role, the gender roles are kind of reversed in this, uh, where it kind of amazingly. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the perfect birthday gift, a health club membership. Hmm? <laughs> night, night. Do you really think I need it? I mean, sure, my thighs jiggle a little when I settle into the tanning bed, but who's don't? Oh, I'm just worrying over nothing, right? I mean, uh, I still turn you on, don't I, Marcy? 
but Marcy's in a very feminine nightgown and everything. So it's 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 just really it's fascinating how they how they do this scene where she's like, I know how to make you feel better. And I love I it because when on pop. I love that because he was just mistaken for a dad recently. And I think that's the reason why he's not, it's not that he's not interested in sex. He doesn't want her to say their code name, which up till this day was cute. And now it's too revealing. He doesn't want to be pop. He doesn't want to be a dad. Yeah. So just good writing, good script writing right there. And what does she say? Like some husbands would say to their wives, no, I'm talking about the perfect birthday gift, a health club membership. <laughs> Nighty night. Oh, I love when she says that. Yeah. But uh, you think, it, yeah. And, and then here comes that line you were talking about. You really think I need it? I'm sure my thighs jiggle a little when I sell into the tanning bed, but who's does it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fat analysis. You know what? Anytime I hear a story about men jiggling, it makes me think of the Simpsons when they uh, do Homer's fat analysis test, where you smack uh, a belly and then measure how long the time it takes for it to stop jiggling. And, and you're and you're dead on right. These gender roles are totally reversed because he says, "I'm just worrying over nothing." Right? I mean, I still turn you on, don't I, Marcy? Marcy, and she falls asleep. And I expected. That snoring sound. This is so formulaically written in such an intense way that everyone has seen this. We know what's going to happen. Like, and it's still funny. Just her snoring. Like, oh, it was great because that's what. Yeah, the true humor is what you're talking about. The roles are reversed here, mm-hmm. such as the roles of Dorothy and Griff. I just, I'm saying they're they're. I don't know if they got an actual like movie screenwriter to like consult with them because this is like very thematically written in a weird way that I I didn't even notice it until we talked about it. Very much like the last one you and I reviewed with Stefan live new pet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, they're getting their chops out because there was, there there was a message in that one. The one thing I kind of like, well, I really liked that and gave it a good rating. Uh, we skipped over a couple of the little things, uh, one thing of trivia here, and that's Hop on Pop. It's a 1963 children's picture book by Dr. Seuss. Better known, well, not better known. He was better known as Dr. Seuss. His real name was Theodore Seuss Geisel, published as part of the Random House Beginner Book Series. The book is subtitled The Simplest Seuss for Younger Use and contains several short poems about a variety of characters designed to introduce basic phonics concepts to children pop on pop <laughs> you know what still it was good back then it was good in the 60s and it's still good now dr seuss is still one of the mm-hmm. most widely read books in elementary schools so as it should be yep but away from the wholesomeness of <laughs> of the nice of the nice marriage bed of jefferson and marcy to Peggy doing what she does best, buying crap or wanting to buy crap. And this is disgust. This made me like gag. Last chance to buy this lovely Tom Jones locket containing his actual chest hair. <laughs> well, if that's not unusual. <laughs> 25 seconds. <laughs> 22 seconds. <laughs> Damn you, Al. 
Now, she's doing more than just one of her favorite things because she's also sitting on the couch and eating bonbons. That is very true. And she is trying. She wants. I do enjoy that she goes when the when the announcer goes the last chance to buy this lovely Tom Jones locket containing his actual chest hair. She just is like, well, if that's not unusual and immediately goes for it. And you know what? I kind of go with Peggy on this. When I'm very, you know, just in my own head and everything, I do kind of just want to buy, like, unusual crap to, like, have and put on my shelves now. Um, But I don't know what Al did, but somehow he electrified the the phone so she couldn't buy this Tom Jones locket. But first... Yeah, she kept grabbing the phone and electronically shocks her. Yeah, it was weird i was like when did that happen but before before we talk about that though uh, Stephen, why don't you talk about tom jones or sir thomas john woodward yeah he was born june 7th 1940 known professionally as tom jones he's a welsh singer his began or did i say welsh singer i want to make sure people understood that his career began with the string of top 10 hits in the mid-1960s and he has toured regularly with appearances in Las Vegas. Jones's voice has been described by Army. Tom Jones's voice has been described as fully throated, robust baritone. He does. He has that deep voice. His performing range has included pop, rhythm and blues, show tunes, country, dance, soul, and gospel. In 2008, the New York Times called Jones a musical shapeshifter who could slide from one soulful rasp to pop with a voice as husky as it was pretty. Jones has sold over 100 million records with 36 top 40 hits in the UK and 19 in the US, including It's Not Unusual. What's New Pussycat, the theme song for the 1965 film Thunderball, Green Green Grass at Home, Delilah, She's a Lady, Kiss, and Sex Pop. She's a lady. Oh, whoa, whoa, she's a lady. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I like him. He's, he's, oh, I he's too. a fun singer. And as a, a hairy chested man myself, I appreciate that he, he brought back the sexy of that. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was interesting because Peggy's line was, uh, you know, when they were offering the Tom Jones hair, uh, Tom Jones that chest hair she wanted to buy, she said, well, it's not unusual. I know, like, it's, it's she, you're right, yeah, like, she doesn't find it unusual at all. And you know what, listeners, we're going to have, I'm totally down for having a $100 a month uh, tier where you get a custom locket with one of our, with with one of the listeners chest hair in it <laughs> of your choice. Yeah. Hey, if some if they give us a, if somebody gives us 100 bucks a month, I'll do that. They can have a chest locket with my chest hair. <laughs> Jefferson comes in. Wait. Hey, Peggy. I uh, brought over Marcy's tool belt like you asked. Oh, you're a lifesaver. <laughs> Needle nose. Hey, uh Peggy, do you ever have a fear that Al's going to leave you? Well, I wouldn't call it a fear so much as a fantasy. (laughs) Screwdriver, why do you ask? Well, I I know that 
And I had, you know, I haven't confided in you much, but... And I appreciate that. <laughs> but lately, I'm just feeling so old and unattractive and unloved, and, you know, I just wondered, how do you handle it? Well, usually I just thank God I'm not that aging gigolo that lives next door. See, if Marcy thinks I'm losing my looks, then it's just a matter of time before she dumps me for some younger guy. Stripper. Maybe. <laughs> With her money, she could have anyone. Oh. Well, I tell you what, why don't you just spend all her money and then she can't afford to trade you in? You think that would work? Absolutely. Do you have a credit card? Yeah, I have one right there. <laughs> Platinum. Oh, the good stuff. What's Marcy's limit? Well, on a good night, six or seven. <laughs> Card. Uh, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't have a limit. Oh, let's do some home shopping. Oh, no, wait a minute. Isn't that addictive? Oh no! You can stop anytime you want. Well, what's that for? So you don't drop the phone. Hi, baby. Mama's back. Okay. When Jefferson came in with the tool belt. What it kills me is this line. I brought over Marcy's tool belt like yes. Oh, yep. Gender still flipped. Again. Yeah. Ironically, though, he has done work with tools before. Usually he ends up electrifying himself for now. Oh, he looks great with that tool belt on with a flannel shirt tucked in. She says you're a lifesaver and asks for needle nose pliers. And so now she starts disassembling. <laughs> the phone in a way that you could not disassemble a phone and this is when they start to have their great conversation hey peggy you ever have a fear that al's gonna leave you well i wouldn't so much as a fear but peggy responds i wouldn't call it a fear so much as a fantasy because oh you know what i <laughs> i can't get the uh, image of her taking that phone apart out of my my head listeners she literally mm -hmm. grabs the she puts the deal those pliers like first she uses them to pick the receiver off because the receiver was the thing that was shocking her i was like okay that's cool but wait what's she doing now she literally lifts the casing of the phone off like you would lift a glass dish off of a cake dish or something like there's <laughs> It there's no way you would have to unscrew the things on the bottom and that's a metal plate. yeah there's like there's probably 50 little mini screws under there that you're gonna have to take off but she lifts it off like like they just gave this really really horrible prop and she just lifts it right off and does something they don't explain how she know how, how this happened and they don't explain how she knows how to disable it but i loved every second yeah. of it <laughs> I did think it was um, that there was one issue with that I had with that, and that is it kind of distracts because you're paying attention to that. You're not listening to their conversation, which has a lot of comedy in it, too. You know, he mentions uh, he says, I know I haven't confided in you much. And she responds, and I appreciate that. <laughs> and then he goes on. I've been feeling old and unattractive and in love. And I just wondered, how do you handle it? Well, I just think 
And then Peggy says, well, I just thank God I'm not that aging gigolo that lives next door. <laughs> you know, kind of a trading of barbs in that one. But they keep and, but they keep your attention, though, by inferring, uh, like screwing up the names of, of the conversation that he thinks he's having. And she's just asking, like, stri- like, what if she dumps me for some younger guy? Stripper? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it, then it turns into like, you're right, it turns into like a... Uh, a Marx Brothers routine or something. It's yeah, because she's asking for wire strippers, and he's thinking, of course, male strippers. Mm-hmm. And 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 he points out with her money, she could have everyone, or pardon me, he she could have anyone. Yeah, we have to keep remembering that Marcy for this area of the world, of this country, and like where they they live, she is very very well off. I mean, she has to be. She has a yeah. credit card with. No limit. Ugh. Hey, and that leads to the next part too. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Peggy suggests. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you just spend all her money, and then she can't afford to trade you in. Think that would work. And Jefferson agrees. And that's when he finds out. Or, and that's when Peggy asks, uh, "Do you have a credit card? And what's the limit?" You know Jefferson what? Thinks, on a good night, six or seven. <clears throat> oh, you mean the card? <laughs> it doesn't have a limit. Oh, boy. I love it. Yep. And it was a great line. But you know what, Stephen? I, we just, I just said recently, and we've all said it, that Jefferson is the male version of Peggy. In a way, mm-hmm. Peggy is also the female version of Jefferson. And when I say that, I mean that she takes advantage of Jefferson's situation um completely formulates her own plan and uses her uses him I'm sorry uses him for her own gain in a financial setting. Jefferson has been known to do this many times. Pool sharking, uh selling Marcy's stuff, uh tricking uh Al into doing things. It 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 just shows that in a way like they are each other's alter egos in a weird way. Mm-hmm. I never noticed, like, I always knew, like, obviously, Jefferson is, uh, like, the female Peggy in a weird way. But I never noticed that Peggy is also, it, when she wants to be, a male Jefferson. Yeah, because she just wants a rich person. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, I think it was the last one when you and Stefan and I were reviewing that, uh, um, the, the most recent one, the um, Live Nude Peg, where... Marcy or, or Peggy found Marcy attractive suddenly. Remember that? Yeah. It it's very uh it's it's interesting. The gender role. Yeah, it's like I'm not having an affair with the husband next door almost. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, so now we have uh so now with our, our A plot going underway, we've got Al and Peggy doing their shopping with the, you know what what us girls do best. We be shopping. Um, and we go back to our shoe commercial where Hal, I love Ed O'Neill so much. Is <laughs> just, just Al being the worst actor you've ever seen, ever. Harry's shoes take twenty-eight, <laughs> and action. Excuse me, kind sir. Do you have any purple pumps? 
we have purple pimps. <laughs> At Gary's Shoes, we feed you a treat. Cut. Uh, okay, Dad, that was, uh, it was good, but you're still a little stiff. And as stiffer, you could wax them and use them as a toboggan. Because <laughs> you keep the gopher quiet. Right, let's just try it again, all right? Take 29, if anybody's still counting. And action. Excuse me, kind Certainly, sir. we pump you purple in Gary's shoes where we treat your feet. Cut. What? Those were the right words. Yeah, but they're in the wrong order. Well, you can't you edit them together. What kind of a director are you? You know, I give up, okay? You talk to him. Okay. So, uh, nice weather we're having, huh, Daddy? <laughs> I mean about the part. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Okay. Um, that was perfect, Daddy. But I think that you need to emphasize certain words, like this. Here at Gary's Shoes, we treat your feet. See what I'm saying? Like this. Yeah. Okay. Here at Gary's Shoes, we treat your feet. That's it's much, much better, Daddy. Really. Can his ass. He's on down, he's on down. I'm starting to get the hang of it. I'm rolling with it. I'm grooving with it. You're fired. Huh, I know. Fire up. Ready to go. No, Dad. It's over. Over. My stage fight's over. I'm ready to go. Action. Woo. Listen to me. You're fired. You're out. You're finished. You must flee TV. Wow, that came out of nowhere. Why the sudden change of heart? Oh, it's not sudden. Your acting sucks. It sucks when we started. It sucks now. It'll always suck. Well, that's just one person's opinion, isn't it? It, it sucks. sucks. It sucks. Attention shoppers, Al Bundy sucks. And I'll say it, I've said it before, I will say it again. It takes a good actor to play a bad actor. It takes a good actor to play a bad actor while also acting as somebody who's being a bad actor. Like, yeah. So it's acting within acting. It's so. That's, that's exactly what yeah. I'm saying, only simpler. Hey, you know what? I. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, all right, fine. We'll, we'll simplify it. We'll simplify it. I wanted to educate our audience, but... <laughs> yeah, well, that's what you always want to do. Of course, I teach ninth graders, so I have to simplify things a lot. <laughs> Good point. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Bud's directing. I loved his uh, his little outfit and the camera he's using. Griff is the gopher. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... Sadly, there's not a lot to say about it because it's it's all kind of visual and yeah, yeah. It, basically Al sucks and they're, they're, they're tired of it. Yeah. And everybody agrees. First it's the, it, first it's Bud and Kelly and Griff. Then it's the men outside the, the shoe store who are passing by. And then you hear it from the mall announcer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, uh, uh, that really cracked me up though. When, um, 
when the mall announcer says, attention shoppers, Al Bundy sucks. Yeah. That just killed me. Oh, you're right. Um, Question, and this is a question to you, and if you can't answer it, maybe a listener might be able to figure out when Bud finally gets it through Al's head, because there's he's doesn't just say, Dad, you're fired. He does, but Al's like, I know. I'm fired up. Like there's all these miscommunications. He's not trying to hear it. <laughs> but Bud goes, "Listen to me. You're fired. You're out. You're finished. You must flee TV." Was that a parody of something from like a movie or like maybe referencing a real life director going insane on on set cuz it seems the way he acts, the way he like jumps up, the hat he's wearing. I'm wondering if he they're referencing something. I couldn't think, figure out what, but we have a lot of listeners and we have a lot of Facebook people. Maybe somebody might might know something. Yeah. Well, you know, I will say that uh, I don't know if it's a direct parody of anything. But after Buzz says you must flee TV, that could be a pun on must see TV that NBC used. Hmm. And you might remember that Married with Children takes a lot of digs at NBC. There was always a little bit of a rivalry between the two. That is true. Um, I'm too young to remember the must uh, NBC's must see TV, but I do know it. Like it, there was like a so it was like the NBC must see TV, and the Saturday night. Uh, wait, no, no. The Friday night, something that happened on Friday nights. TGIF. TGIF Friday. And yes. That was ABC. And CBS dominated Saturday. Nights. Oh, man. It's making me excited to watch TV hearing things like that. <laughs> uh, Believe it or not. By the way, audience, I just wanted to say that uh, do we watch a lot of TV? Yeah. Tyler and I and uh, Chris and. Luigi and Annabelle and Matt, we love our TV shows, but we also do read. And we li- I, I like to read different books at different times. I'm, I'm rereading an old Stephen King book right now. Um, but Stephen, are uh, you doing... Salem's Lot. Okay, Stephen, are you doing a pun right now, or are you just uh, informing everybody's stuff? I'm just trying to inform people that, you know, it's fun to watch TV, but we do need... We need to take time to read. That is so... Amazing that you said that. Okay, Stephen, you said you're you I <laughs> you're reading Salem's Lot. Guess what I just yeah. bought on Kindle? Salem's yep. Lot. I've always wanted to read it's the one Stephen King movie that I just never could get started because it's so long. So I want to read the book first. Um yeah. Well, I never saw yeah, well, I'm I'm reading it because over the summer, well, or well, we're still in summer, but I took the chance because I, I remember Janie from uh, who, who was on the team before we came in. She and her husband, uh, Brian, had horror in the house of salmons, and they talked about that not too long ago because there is a remake going on. I they remember seeing part of the TV movie Salem's Lot back in the 70s, and I saw it was on Tubi TV, and I thought, well, it's free, I'm going to watch that from beginning to end. And it was a really good TV movie. That back then, TV movies could be scary. They're not much scary anymore. But I thought I'm going to buy Stanley's Law. I'm going to read that because I've never read it before. But what I'm getting at more than anything else is that yes, we do enjoy these things, but we do try to leave balanced lives. 
We do work. We do have jobs. These podcasting is a hobby. Married with children is a hobby. You know, that's why I bicycle. That's why I like to do photography and play guitar and read. You know, you got to live a well-rounded life. And I hope our podcast listeners realize that because sometimes some people just, they wrap their lives around one single thing. So you're only hearing the, our side of the obsessive fans of Married with Children. Oh, absolutely. And I agree. Yeah, I agree with my teaching uh, colleague over here, Stephen. Like you, it, reading is, there's, it's just such a world like everyone who listens has been listening to me knows a movie guy and it's true but when i find out that there was a movie that was made from a book i try to seek it out now me personally i don't mm-hmm. like i dislike reading when i say that i mean i dislike the action of reading it's i quite frankly i do it to help me fall asleep it's very tiring for me i've thought that ever since i was a child however i love books and god bless audible to giving me yeah. so many audiobooks there is nothing wrong with that that folks if you if all you do is listen to audiobooks that counts as reading the spoken word storytelling has been around way longer than the written word so it's that part of your brain is older and more like developed so can and by the way audible if you want to give us some gratuity for advertising for you we will gladly yes right hbo max audible uh, QVC, if it exists anymore, <laughs> by all means, come. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, QVC, look us up. <laughs> but it's just that, like I said, uh, it's amazing. That, you know, people think this is the, what we only think about. It's not true. And relationships too, friends. Yeah. Uh, family. Uh, you know, I've been kind of stuck alone for the last few days with the COVID. So mm-hmm. I'm like, God, so frustratingly bored. What the? hell am I going to do? And I've been taking advantage of reading. And so, you know, it's, uh, not just watching Married with Children. Yeah. And don't, and we live in a different world than the world that me and Stephen grew up in, where the idea, I don't know if it was pushed that a lot when you were in high school, Stephen, but for me, it was pushed to the idea that you were a success, that if you got a job, that it was the thing that you loved the most. So the thing you love the most is also the thing you're going to do every single day to also earn you a living. And well, why that could be good, it almost can be a teeny bit unhealthy because the th- if you're doing a job and it's just a job and it's not like a thing that even if it's a, even if it's like podcasting, if this was a thing that we were doing for our job, Stephen, if we had, you know, a patron that was generating $50,000 a month, we probably could do this. Uh like full time however we would still have these other interests because you just it's not healthy it's not healthy to to do the thing that you love and also it for to be your job and have your entire life wrapped around the one area yeah it'll make you it might be it might be idealized but in the end you just explore the person you are and find things out there and we live in a time with uh, with a plethora of choices so go for it audience members if you want to get that tom jones locket with chest hair in it go for it if you want if if you want to build a house uh full of of shoe boxes do it so yeah Yeah. just yeah you know real quick i do want to mention i was reading about uh, uh the girl who played topanga and boy meets world 
she's doing a rewatch podcast uh, with with another cast member where two cast members are going through <gasps> it. Scrubs is doing the same thing. They're doing a rewatch with uh, Donald Fias and he played Turk and JD and um, Zach Braff who played uh, JD. And I'm not knocking those, but you know I prefer to listen to fan based podcasts. I know I'm part of one, so I'm biased, but I think the fans have a little bit more to stake. Exactly, it's uh, it's yeah. how how it, like having like Topanga. Sh- I, I like it. you're right. Like here's the thing: I don't even know her name. I'm always just going to call her Topanga. She should legally have her name changed to that. Um, she should guest on those podcasts. But she like mm-hmm. uh, like Ed O'Neill right now. If I hear you do a single Barry with Children podcast before you guest on ours, oh, that's so mean. Because you're right, Stephen. Like the fans show you how the show relates to the world rather than the people who made it. So yes, mm-hmm. but like when we got those interviews with Harold Sylvester and Jennifer Lyons, so. yeah. Yeah, before like just to end it on a really good note, like this little tangent, I loved how happy, generally ha- genuinely happy, Harold Sylvester was. Harold Sylvester was when he realized how, like how much the show meant to us, and that an entire podcast got created out of it, and has a mm-hmm. Facebook fans of three thousand like that, uh, or and more and growing. He was just. He, he, I think he flat out said he's like I never would have imagined that thirty years later, uh, people would be this into it, and it, he was literally touched. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're part of that, listeners. But back to the uh, back to back to our episode. Um, we so yeah, like the so Al gets fired, and we move away from the B plot to. To what I call Jaggy or Pefferson's sitting on the couch. <laughs> oh, look, a genuine faux leopard muff. Let's not wait for the price. Just dial. Okay, okay, but now tell me again how all this stuff is going to keep Marcy from leaving me. Hmm, is that a liver spot? Okay. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. Aha, uh-huh. what? Don't you play dumb with me, Peggy Bundy. You've always been a shopping junkie, but now you've turned into a pusher and corrupted my innocent Jefferson. Innocent? Yeah, I may have provided the TV and the phone, but he did his own dialing. (gasps) Jefferson, is that true? Yes. Well, that's it, mister. Your freeloading days are over, and you're going to pay back every cent. How, how am I supposed to do that? Three little words. I love you. <laughs> Try again. Hop on pop. <laughs> Get a job. <gasps> and doing the leg. They're both like... Yeah, they're both wagging their legs while watching TV. And it's hard. It's harder than it looks, Steve. And I tried to do it while I was sitting down because they're like, you have to shake your body 
as well at the same rate as you're shaking your leg otherwise your leg's just going to shake and you're going to be solid because they're kind of like bopping to it and i want to see uh the outtakes of ted mckinley and case uh doing this together and laughing and we've seen this before kelly's doesn't wagging along with Meg, and uh, uh, what was that called? I forgot. Oh, uh, it's back in season eight when they hired Aaron, and he was going to get married to uh, Angie, and then he dumped her for Meg. Ah, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> Meg was just like Meg. A uh, literally, literally a uh, a year over a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, so we have so we have the horrible uh, infestation of Peggy into Jefferson, and you just see boxes of crap that they've been buying, and Marcy just saunters in, and and is what I love is she's so emasculate she is so emasculating her husband completely this entire episode that she walks right past him with the phone in his hand it goes i knew it was you peggy <laughs> like she yeah. knew exactly who was ringleadering this whole thing <laughs> uh-huh. you've always been the shopping junk but now you've gone and turned to push her and corrupted my innocent Jefferson. Innocent? Seriously? <laughs> oh. Innocent? Well, you know, boy. He did the he did his own dialing. Which is incorrect, because the only dialing I saw was her dialing at the end of the last scene that we were in. So I think, I, I think she definitely was a pusher. Yeah. It's one thing if I'm injecting their heroin later, but if you literally stuck the needle into my arm and plunged it down, you're to blame. After that, <laughs> it's just semantics. But and then in the in the previous scene when they were together in, in the same situation, you know, separated by Al's bad acting, in that previous scene that uh, Al or probably Jefferson tells Peggy. You know, isn't this shopping addictive? And she says, oh, I can stop anytime I want to. <laughs> yeah. She wraps the cord around his arm so it doesn't fall. It won't fall. <laughs> yeah. And, and Marcy gives this ultimatum. Yes. Your freeloading days are over. You're going to pay back every cent. And how am I supposed to do that? He asks. And she says three little words. Jefferson thinks, I love you. Marcy says, try again. Hop on pop, Jefferson <laughs> suggests. No, it's get a job. Which Man. I totally saw that. Another one I totally knew. You, any, even a 10-year-old would have known what three-letter words she's talking about. You, if you didn't get it by uh -huh. I love you, you definitely got it with Hop on Pop. But when she says get a job, the way Jefferson and Peggy unit at the yeah. same time go, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they're both holding their chest. The worst. <laughs> because because and, Peggy knows Bundy women never work. So actually, she has had a few jobs. She worked at a clock store for a little while. She was a Peggy Bright girl. If you remember, she was buying her own stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> and get commissions. That is true. And, but Jefferson, uh, 
She worked at Burger Trek, and Jefferson's had some jobs as yeah, well. Yeah, he was a CIA agent, maybe. 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 <laughs> he yeah. was something. Um, he was the shirtless bartender in the Magnificent Seven, a car wash attendant in Get the Dodge Out of Hell, and a chauffeur in The Undergraduate, and also as an actor, which I don't know why he wasn't involved in the camera thing. That way, They didn't even <laughs> think about that. In Ki- he was an actor in Kiss of the Coffee Woman, in season 10. You know, he was actually a chauffeur twice. He also did a radio free Tremaine. Oh, yeah, there you go. So, yes, we've, we've seen mm-hmm. him get a job, but I am so invested with how, uh, like, deeply they're connecting Peggy and Jefferson together. That they're almost accentuating their weird characters that I've forgotten these past ones. So it works. Uh. Well, it reminds me also of get the dodge out of hell when she makes them work at the car uh, wash. Mm-hmm. Marcy, I don't want to work in a car wash. Look, I am tired of coming home after a hard day's work and hearing you say, honey, guess who was on Oprah today? It's like being married to Peggy. So they've hinted at this, you know, and this is like... Yeah. So this is like... This episode is... And sadly, I'm thinking now that they might have known that this was the last season, maybe at this point. Or or somebody had an intuition because they're giving us, like, stuff that they've hinted at. Like, this is the quintessal, the big one, that stuff, uh, a a thing that they've only hinted at. Now we're getting it in full force here. Well, I think it's already been in full force because there was a recent episode, I can't remember which one, when Al barges in. All right, I've had it. I'm sick of coming home, seeing you holding down the couch, watching Oprah and stuffing your face full of bonbons. Now you either get your lazy ass in the kitchen and cook me a meal or get out. Come on, Al. Marcy won't let me back in the house until I have a job. If you kick me out too, where will I go? Don't know, don't care. <laughs> sure, you working people don't know how tough it is to find a job these days. Freeloading, sitting around the couch, sitting on the couch, watching TV and doing nothing. You need to get out and get a job. And you think he's talking to Peggy. No, it's Jefferson mm-hmm. that's sitting on the couch because Marcy's kicked him out. Yeah. And it's one of the weird, it's one of the things that Burial Children does so well in getting rid of politics and in any way shape or form and the same to be said with gender roles because you it you would think it there would be the fact that jefferson the man of the house and at this time period would be getting it would be less comedic of him wanting to be a freeloader and more understandable that peggy might want want that in a negative way but they treat them both amazingly equal so but so yeah like so yes jefferson must get a job you know this exercise stuff is really challenging yep i'm starting to feel the burn that's heartburn You think you could stop chewing for like one second, help get me out of this mess that you got me into? Oh, yeah. 
like it's my fault you're not aging well. <laughs> Don't get your varicose veins in a knot. There must be some job that you're qualified for. I'm just not good at anything. All right, and lunge, and twirl, and lunge, and... <laughs> All right, fine. Stay fat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. cuts into them working out. A, well, I mean, one of them's working out. Other one is uh, working something. But uh, yeah. Jeff, they're at an aerobic studio, Peggy and Jefferson. Peggy's just sitting there eating. Yeah. She's literally just eating a McDonald's cheeseburger, right? Like with the yellow wrapper mm-hmm. and everything. And yeah. the worst of the worst fast food and while everybody else is doing gyrations and stuff that we don't really see anymore nowadays, but it's just like this aerobic studio and oh, poor, poor Jefferson. Uh, when, when Peggy goes, don't get your varicose veins in a knot. <laughs> Ugh, there must be, there must be some job that you're qualified for. And uh, at, at this point, we didn't notice, but he's doing his gyrating while facing her away from the studio. Yeah. And all the women are no longer looking at the man up on stage. They're following what Jefferson's doing and all staring yeah. at his well chiseled behind. Yeah, I, I love his line there. You think you could stop chewing for one second and help me out of this mess you got me into? <laughs> it's like my fault you're not aging well. It's like, dang, girl. Oh, it's. <laughs> I have to ask this question too. Maybe I asked it before. I can't remember, but is this the same aerobic studio that was next door where they drilled the holes to look in and watch all those watch the women work out? Yeah, maybe it got bought by another place because, <laughs> like, it's already a studio. Like, it might yeah. be though. Um, although. These jazzercise aerobic studios were a huge thing back then. So there's a good chance there was more than just one in that mall. Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah. Um, but, uh, yep, so it's pretty much inferred at this point that, uh, oh, and a good shout out to this aerobic instructor who's just like, fine, be fat. And what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he walks off. He, he, <laughs> oh, it, it's so, it's so mean and it's so like harsh. I love it. It's like early season one or two or three, Married with Children, just, just so blunt in your face. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. but yes, back to Gary's shoes. Gary's shoes, we treat you. You're trying to work here. So am I. I'll you haven't vacuumed in 25 years. <laughs> then it's high time, isn't it? Anyway, that was great, Griff. Great, great. You couldn't even tell he was acting. <laughs> Let's just do it one more time, okay? Oh, fine, fine. Take 32, which is three more than it took me, by the way. It's because you ruined every one of mine. It's because we had a couple of accidents. Oh, dropping a light on Griff's head. Freak occurrence. The fire in the stockroom? 
Act of God? <laughs> Rollerblading through here with your pants down playing a tuba? <laughs> hey, what I do on my break is my business. Oh. Wait a minute, Dad. You're trying to sabotage the commercial. Now get out of here and don't come back until we're finished. Fine! You Hollywood types are so touchy. <laughs> Ready? Yes. And action. Excuse me, kind sir. Do you have any... Um, so, okay, the line is, welcome to Gary's Shoes. We treat your feet, or feet your treat. Anyway, uh, I can't remember because they have to keep cutting. Because <laughs> Al is being, because Griff is being the... Uh, They've replaced Al with Griff, and we know Griff is going to do it, but every time it starts, Al has sabotaged it, and we're seeing the latest one where he just starts vacuuming through their cut, through through their shot. Yeah. <laughs> and he hasn't vacuumed in 25 years. Well, then it's high time, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just vacuumed myself, and it I, it, I vacuum more often than he does but i think it had been about mm, i want to say like close to a month i know that's not good and it's it was terrible i had to empty out the vacuum cleaner literally like 10 times and <laughs> i'm just imagining 25 years if you vacuumed after that like the floor would literally drop an inch <laughs> Ugh, that'd be gross <laughs> well on top of that you know Chris says you haven't uh, vacuumed in 25 years. It's probably been longer for Peg. Oh, Ooh. and it, but probably. here's the thing though it's a shoe store. Ew, mm-hmm. with carpet. Oh, yes, a yeah. carpeted shoe store. You know what? Let's, I'm glad we live in a time period now where schools, churches, malls. Anything where people, anything that's not a home or a house is just not carpeted because you can't clean that. It's disgusting. Like, I remember blockbusters that had carpeted floor. And I, 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 I'm recalling a, a story that I heard somebody else on a podcast go, I remember when I was 12, this guy eating a big slice of Speedway pizza and the pizza fell face first onto the blockbuster floor and he just went five seconds and picked it up and started eating again. The kid said he's like, I literally almost puked right there. <laughs> mm. Ooh. But uh, yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, so yeah, Al is completely destroying this um uh, this this commercial shot, and and they kick him out. Yeah, they they can't because he's got a job to do. Yeah, <laughs> but I do love all the little things that he uh, did. Like he's got an excuse for everything. Like uh, what were they? Um, dropping a light on Griff's head. <laughs> <laughs> the fire in the stock room, an act of God, and. <laughs> Here's one where I really wish they would have showed it because Ed O'Neill, I think, would have done it. <laughs> Rollerblading through here with your pants down, playing a tuba. 
I'm probably glad they didn't because that just leaves it more to the imagination for you to laugh. It's true, but for some reason, just (laughs) like the the just like stuffing pancakes into your pockets, I can imagine Ed O'Neill doing that. Oh, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, and you know what? Whatever he does on his breaks, his own business. So. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, but that's pretty much it. Uh, that's that's it for the shoes. Yeah, it's it. They just drop that. Well, it comes back in the rag sheet at the end. But we need to go back to the aerobic studio. Okay. Yes. For the uh, for the. <laughs> for the beautiful ending so we're back to the aerobic studio and marcy is uh what is looking peggy what in the world are you doing here working out (laughs) Uh, excuse me you can't just walk into a jefferson darcy class are you on the list well no but I'm his wife. <laughs> nice try, honey. We get four wives a day and a couple of husbands. <laughs> well, maybe if you gave up your spot, they'd all fit. You just better be glad I am weak from dieting. <laughs> there he is! Jeff Versailles! Jeff Versailles! <laughs> Hello, all you lovely ladies. Are you ready to get hot? Bothered. Okay, here we go now. And on our right. Jefferson, hi, honey. Oh, hey, Marcy G, what a surprise. Okay, here we go. And bend and stretch and reach for me, ladies. That's it. Okay, here we go. Great fine. And that's it. Beautiful. That's it. <laughs> she won't let me through. Hey, Marcy, I have a secret weapon. Oops. My Snickers slipped. Here we go. And... Oh, hey, Marcy. Thank you so much for making me get this job. I'll be able to pay you back in no time. Oh, honey, you don't have to pay me back. Consider it a birthday present. It's Chuck's birthday. Spanking machine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hate to see you like this, slaving away at a job you hate. (laughs) Jeffy, can you massage my cramp again? I'll give you a cramp. And these women, I love every single one of them. Like, uh, excuse me, you can't just walk into a Jefferson Darcy class. Are you in a list? (laughs) And then they said... To be here, you you have to find someone who gives up their spot. And Marcy has this line that sounds like something Al Bundy would say. Well, if you give up your spot, three more could fit. At least she's weak from dieting. So (laughs) (laughs) this heavier set woman where they're making that joke to, that's the Snickers line earlier that we mentioned. I have to say, in a show that has done more fat women jokes than I've ever seen, that was good. I kind of, I, I kind of saw it coming, but the way the actress and Peggy do it had me actually laugh out loud <laughs> when she's just like, "Where, where to go?" Like she smells it like a wolf. 
Well, she threw it there to clear out some girls so Marcy could try and talk to him. And there's another reason why I think that, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the job there yet. Uh, well, he does have the job. It's now his, but Marcy just doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't like that all these women are looking at him. And they find out it's his birthday. <laughs> hey, it's time for the birthday spank. And he goes under and they're all spanking his Yeah, butt. what the hell was that? <laughs> like, just That is the Mary with children touch. That's what that is. Like, uh, any other show, if they wanted to play this uh, scene out where... Uh, Okay, all these women are staring at you. How could it get worse? It's your birthday? Birthday hugs or something like that. Now they're actually touching him, but in a, you know, a safe television kind of way. Nope, not with Mary with Children. Get on your knees, crawl through our legs, and we're all going to spank you. I'm like, what the God? And he's loving it. He's, he's at the center of attention. At the beginning, he thought he was losing his looks. He thought he was going to be depressed, that Marcy was going to get rid of him. But he's enjoying this attention, and that's what Marcy doesn't like. <laughs> it's you're right, and it because I just oof, it's really great. And the but here's the thing: just as I was slightly touched by how sincerely Jefferson seemed to be worrying about his looks, and not just not just that Marcy was worried about him, but also having like a crisis of faith. Um, continue and pro- and probably that was already in his mind, and then it was worse with Al going. She, you know, he's, she's going to turn you in for a newer model. So that was just added to his worries. We have this another really well touching scene between Marcy and Jefferson. <laughs> Jefferson, I want you to quit your job. But why, Marcy, if I keep working here, I'm going to have the body that you've always wanted me to. That I've always wanted? Yeah. Jefferson, I love the way you look. The only reason I sent you to a health club is that I thought you were feeling insecure about yourself. Well, I was. I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. I just... Oh, I thought you were going <laughs> to trade me in for someone new. Oh, Booberry. <laughs> <laughs> want anybody new. It took me years to break you in. I mean, you'll still love me even when I'm old and gray? Of course. Just like you'll still love me even if I lose all my money? <laughs> right. You know, this is great. I always wanted my own personal trainer. <laughs> yes. She says, I want you to quit your job. But if I keep working, I'm going to I'm going to have to be the body that you've always wanted me to. And she's saying, look, I got you this because I thought you were feeling insecure about yourself. And he was. And that he's getting and that he's getting older. And he's worried that she's going to look for someone. He literally says the words that Al said, like, you're going to trade me in for someone new. And then she says. I don't know if she's ever called him this before, but the way she says, oh, Booberry, I awed out loud with the audience. Because it was just a nice form mm-hmm. of compassion and just like a window in, they have a weird sex life and a very strange relationship. But 
in a, in 2022 where we live in a world where many people are having you know unorthodox relationships and changing what we feel as normal this actually i i think it might have been played as pure comedy possibly or filmed that way but i was actually touched by it that was very sweet yeah except for using the thing booberry i don't like stupid pet names like that i understand sweetie and honey sweetheart i like i agree with you steven but i think it works when you're in a when you're comforting someone and done by your significant other like oh like oh like blah 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 or something like that just to something that only you would say to that person in that moment just to bring them out of it that's why it worked if it would if it was her going like hey booberry yeah you're right uh no do not call me that kind of nickname but in a comforting kind of patting me on the back kind of sense that was that was cute that was sweet well with all the pet names i think i'm more in line with al and peg because you might remember what happened in the house that peg lost when Stephen and Marcy were talking to each other. How can he get that smell with only ten toes? Go to sleep, Marcy. I can't. I'm too upset. I miss our little house. I know, but we'll get it back, Angel Cups. You haven't called me Angel Cups in a long time, Sugar Tush. Remember what I said when we didn't think we could afford a house? We need no home. Our love is shelter enough against any storm. Man, thy name is Steve. And love, thy name is Marcy. The warmth of your arms is my heart. And your strong arms are my support beams. And your lips are my doors to heaven. And your blue eyes are the windows to my world. Where are you guys going? We're going to sleep in the hole, but. Good night, kids. Go, oh, Kelly. I sleep with my mouth open. Maybe I'll drown. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, and, and, but then she goes further. The part I liked was when she says, "I don't want anyone new." It took me years to break you in. Oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You mean you'll still love me even when I'm old and gray? And Marcy says, "Of course." And she asks, "Just like you'll still love me if I lose all my money, right?" Hmm. And Jefferson's like staring ahead, thinking that doesn't respond. <laughs> oh, it's great because it's it's almost not even a joke. Like he's just he's just staring for you, just that extra six seconds to like make you feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, I guess I will. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I'm old and gray, uh, I believe that is a reference to the Frank Sinatra song, uh, "You Make Me Feel So Young." Yep. Yeah. I'm sure it oh, is. I love that. Um, even when I'm old and gray, I'm going to feel the way I do today because you make me feel so young, which is exactly what's kind of going on in this episode. Like, she makes him feel young and desirable by, by being a boy toy and everything. 
someone's come for a nutritious breakfast. What? Hello, my name is Boo. <laughs> Let me finish. Booberry, my ghostly good blueberry-flavored cereal, Booberry, <laughs> is part of this complete breakfast. Boo to you, Frankenberry's got strawberry-flavored marshmallows. Coltrocular's got chocolate marshmallows. But I've got blueberry-flavored marshmallows. Frankenberry. Coltrocular. And blueberry. <laughs> but maybe we got a little window into their very, like, kinky sex life by the fact that he's called Booberry. I don't know what kind of Booberry cereal she might be eating off of him, but Booberry cereal. Gerald Mills created Booberry cereal, and they always did some creative cereal options, like uh, they came up with Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Fruit Brute, and Fruity Yummy Yummy. And all this, all these things were introduced in the seventies. Trust me, these commercials for those for those cereals were on all the time during Saturday morning cartoons back in the seventies. Fruit Brute and. Yeah, fruity, fruit, m- fruit. yummy, mummy. I've never heard of those. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of them have uh, done anything. I can't remember which one it was, but one of them was causing kids to like uh, poop chocolate or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they faced a lawsuit. I'd have to look it up. I remember it was one of these that did it. I don't Ooh, can't remember. I'm checking these images out on on Google. Yeah, Fruit Brute is like a a werewolf, and they look like uh, yeah. they kind of look like honeycomb cereal. Oh, and there's there's the yummy mummy, and there was also the crispy creature crunch. I don't remember that. Oh, it, dude, it's great. It looks like Swamp Thing, and it's cereal that's like pure green. With uh, marshmallows in yeah. it. Oh, I, I kind of like that. That kind of looks pretty cool. Uh, yeah, cereal monster fridge magnets on eBay. I might have to actually order some of these. Th- these look really cool, actually. Um, yeah, fruit brute. Yeah, but no, we're talking Booberry because yeah. that was her pet name for him. And yeah, boy. But then we do go back to the shoe store before the final rag sheet. Well, well, well. Looks like my commercial has made me a few fans. Yeah, I knew TV had a 10 pounds. I didn't realize it all went to your head. You're even cuter in person than you are on TV. You're a shoe hunk. Help me. Yes, please. Nah, they're all your shoe hunk. I think I'll just ease on down the road. Please, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, hey, that is not for sale. Because the commercial is there. And this is one thing. This seems like it's all taking place in a day. And this probably happened over a two-day period. So actually, the day before was Jefferson's birthday, if I'm reading, if I'm understanding this correctly. And, I mean, they filmed a commercial. You probably have to wait at least a week for editing and to put it out on the air. I mean, at least a week, probably more standard, like four to six weeks. So this is like, like a month or this yeah. is like a month or two months, maybe down the line, because it's not only been cut and aired. It's been aired enough that Griff's like a little celebrity. Yeah. And all these women are outside just waiting for him, which, you know, <laughs> apparently that mm, I, I can see it. I mean, it's it's Griff. He a hunk. 
Like I get it. And mm -hmm. he's a local star too. And but I do like Algoid. Yeah, I knew the TV added 10 pounds. Didn't realize it all went to your head. Like almost too clever for Al, but I liked it. <laughs> you know, and Al Al kind of ends that scene. I'll just ease on down the road. Uh, Tyler, when you're done, you don't not familiar with the Wiz, you might look up Ease On Down the Road. That's the Wiz's version of Follow the Yellow Brick Road. Oh, really? And it's it's very different. Yeah, that was one of the big hits off of that soundtrack. I remember hearing it on the radio when I was a kid. Wow. So, yeah, look that up. Ease On Down the Road. Oh, yeah. That's... And I'm sure you'll find a YouTube video that will probably have that scene in it. So you can kind of get an idea of what it's like. Sung by Diana Ross. Yes. Interesting. Thank you. Uh, again, all this whiz nonsense that I, I just, I'm still shocked. I've never heard of this. Amazing. But uh, we're not done with the whiz yet. Because in a not too often seen post, like, post credit or like post closing show shot. Was the rag sheet? You yes, know, the, the rag part sheet. Before. I hate the rag sheets. But, oh well. uh, this one, I kind of like this one. Oh, I don't believe this. <laughs> we'll take it. I told you so. Weren't you Dorothy and the Wiz? Yes, I was. I was the, the mayor of Munchkin Land. <laughs> Your <laughs> it's I like here's where here's why I like it because it's connecting uh, a joke from the beginning and building it up and making it bigger. So at the beginning of the episode, Alan Griff were building this little miniature like shoebox house, and they made that joke about uh, it being for housing for little people, and then it just shows this gigantic shoe because the original one it was it looked like it was all made from the same type of shoe box this one and it was a little bit shorter yeah, this yeah. one is huge and it's filled with all different colored boxes and the audience goes crazy as i would do <laughs> this is awesome and then out comes again it it's risky because this might it have just been bad, but it for some reason made me laugh when they had these two little people, this little couple, come out and go, "We'll take it." I was just, oh, and <laughs> Al's just staring at it like, "What the hell is happening?" And apparently, the Munchkin recognizes Griff has his role from his role as Dorothy in The Wiz because he was the mayor. And Al is still mm -hmm. just, I love Al just blank face, just following the two and just kind of going, what the hell? This is well, Griff even says your honor. Yeah. The resume as your honor. <laughs> and real quick, let me tell you why I don't care for these code openings and reactions. Because quite often in the opening does not, is usually not germane to the plot. And on top, so you're taking away probably about 30 seconds there and another 30 seconds to 60 seconds here away from the main plot mm -hmm. where you could develop a story a little bit better. I think that was painfully obvious and twisted. Yes, 100%. That we didn't need that at all. This one, you don't need it, but it actually bookends the uh, whole episode. 
Yeah, I think in uh, when I was doing a review with Annabelle and Matt recently, I don't think it had a rag sheet to it. I think it might have had a cold opening, but it didn't have the, the little end part. There must be something. Okay. That, you know what? I bet these rag sheets were uh, producer-demanded or executive demanded, I bet they were like, create a bunch of rag sheets and we'll decide whether or not the show needs one for this uh, this episode needs it for whenever the, specifically they're airing it. Maybe it's like a commercial thing or advertisement because I feel like you would do it always or not do it at all. You know what I mean? I, um, I don't know. I don't know why they use them. You know, for some episodes, for some TV shows, it works. For a lot of others, like Mary Wichon, I don't think it does work. Gotcha. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app, and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. So, Stephen, how many shoebox houses out of five are you going to build for boy toy? How many shoebox houses are you going to build out of five for the episode of married with children birthday boy toy i'm going to build four box houses shoebox houses you know and and the plight for at least four dwarves and their homelessness i like this episode i liked its message you know there is a message there you know just because you're getting older doesn't mean i don't love you anymore I think that was a message in there. And it's kind of like when we reviewed Live Nude Peg, it was a similar thing, you know, like Al not thinking that, uh, thinking that Jasmine, that her husband was someone who didn't appreciate her. Some loser didn't appreciate her. And he finds out his fantasy and his wife are one and the same. Of course, he cringes at that, but that's what you want in life. And I think you want that too, to know that, your spouse or your um, your parents or your siblings or your friends are going to accept you for who you are when you're even old and gray. Because that's what Jefferson was afraid of. I also like most of the jokes. that You're right, there were a lot of zingers. There were more conversational, humorous things that were said. I'm, giving, I'm knocking off a point. I might have given it a five and one if it had been a little funnier. Too, if they got rid of the rag sheets and the cold opening and given Bud and Kelly a little bit more to do because the last when I, the one, when I reviewed um, Bud on the side with Matt and Annabelle I pointed out that was one of the very few episodes of Marywood Children where there is no B plot hmm. none it involved the entire family and that's what I like to see. Jefferson was barely in it. And it um, I don't think Marcy was in it at all. But, you know, that's what I liked about that one. And I like this one for very similar reasons. I gave that one a four and a half. So I'm going to give Birthday Boy Toy four. Nice. Well, for me and 
I love the fact that I'm going last because I was a little lukewarm with this episode right when it ended. Because right when it ended, I paused it and I was like, okay, how many? Because uh, I usually I go with stars. I don't. We don't. <laughs> we don't usually come up with what we're gonna do until like <laughs> like that shoebox houses thing until right beforehand. So I was just like, how many? How many stars am I gonna give this? And I was like, well, three, three stars. But after talking about it with you, and this is why podcasting and reviews are great, because it helps you just talking about it helps bring the, like, just helps me analyze my own views on things. And I have to say, I'm going to build four shoebox houses and a shoebox garage, a.k.a. four and a half. Um, and the only reason I'm going to knock off, I'm going to say more about what I disliked rather than what I liked, because there was a lot of what I liked. So I'm going to start with what I disliked or what stopped it from getting five. And what stopped it from getting five is the separation and the, the disjointedness of the two plots. And I know it's a gripe of mine. With the A plot and the B plot, you can. there's certain ways you can do it. But if you're going to have an A plot and a B plot simultaneously happening throughout the episode, they need to have some kind of real connection. And literally the only connection that exists is Jefferson entering the shoe store before the commercial even starts. In fact, the A plot... I mean, the B plot literally comes in to kick the A plot out in a weird way. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's making, it makes me wonder now from a producing standpoint, was the, were these, was there a different kind of like thing that they decided to change last minute and they shot, shot this stuff out of order and put it in. I'm not sure. I do. I don't, I don't dislike the B plot. I enjoyed Al recording a commercial. I enjoyed all that stuff, but that could have been an episode in itself. So I kind of wanted to see more of it. So if you're going to have them disjointed, at least, like, at least give me something that I don't like. I kind of get got a little upset when they kept jumping back and forth because I loved what was happening almost equally. I was enjoying it, and there's just not enough to talk about. Like you heard us in our descriptions, we talked way more about Marcy and Jefferson. Uh, and what Jefferson was doing, and we just kind of brushed right off the the commercial because it was literally like just little bits. So that's it's such a small thing. So that's why I only took a half away. But what I loved about it, it's one of the best written episodes I've seen in a long time, dialogue wise. Just how they're the way they tie in everything from as small as the whiz. <laughs> to the idea of you know the gender swapping between um, Marcy and Jefferson who's the man who's the woman connecting these strands together between how Jefferson is the as the male version of Peggy and Peggy can sometimes pretty much be the male the female version of of what we know to be Jefferson and how they complement it and but the fact is it ends their their story ends on such a sweet moment mm-hmm. and i was just i'm not used to that i'm not used to married with children making me go oh 
and never Jefferson and, and Marcy. Usually they make me go, oh, they make me very uncomfortable, which is their point. So to mm-hmm. see this so late into the show, it was risky, and I appreciate the risk, and I liked what they did, and it was well done. Great acting all around. Everybody was bringing their A game, and it, yeah, it it's a really good episode. I uh, highly recommend Birthday Boy Toy. So yeah, four out of five. Um, so, Stephen, any other thoughts before that we want to talk about anything? No, I don't have anything else to say. I, you know, I agree with you on all points. I just, to me, the negatives affected it a little bit more than what than what you let them affect the rating. So, and that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, but uh, so yeah. All right. Thank you uh, very much, listeners, for joining us on season eleven, episode nineteen of Married with Children: Birthday Boy Toy. Yes, next week, come back when Stefan will join Tyler and I when we take the elevator and the nudie bar down to hell for the episode Damn Bundies, where we get to meet the devil, played by guest star Robert England of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. In this particular episode, Al sells his soul to the devil so he can take the Chicago Bears to the Super Bowl. However, as usual, the devil is in the details, and the entire cast will go through hell with us. So, until next week, remember... Whoa.